Welcome to the Osprey Podcast. In this episode, we'll be speaking to skier and freeride athlete Anna Wangler, who in the last year has been battling her way back from a serious injury that she sustained at the start of 2019. Anna will be doing a live Q&A with us on Instagram in the near future, so make sure you go and follow the Osprey Europe account to get involved. I'm your host, Marcus Brown, and this is the Osprey Podcast. Annie, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I actually just got home from a dry fly fishing session on the meadow. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's Chill. It's season right now, and yeah, we can't fish, and there's not that much we can do at the moment sure. anyway. What have you been, how have you been handling it? Because you're, are you in full lockdown at the moment in Germany? Um, we are, like, all the shops are closed. Uh, we're not allowed to go out just if there's anything super urgent um you're doing like we're allowed to go to a grocery store obviously and like to the pharmacy and see the doctor but yeah we're in full lockdown other than that so let's let's start at the beginning shall we let's get your whole story how did your journey with skiing begin damn that was a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) um basically at the age of two my parents strapped skis to my feet and like pushed me down the hill and uh, wow, that is young <laughs> again that's that's real young <laughs> yeah i mean i was able to walk before that so sure well, i mean i'd hope so <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah and like i don't know i just i just really liked it and um yeah at the at the age of 10 in fifth grade i went to sports and boarding school and um yeah attended ski racing academy and as crashing gates slowly became like tiring and a little boring and I simply figured out that there's more than just crashing gates. Um, yeah, I decided to stop ski racing and uh, that was when I was 16. So you stopped when you were 16. So then from that point on, what were you doing? So I stopped when I was 16. I actually switched to ski jumping um, for the two coming years and uh, did my A-level since I was at sports school. Like, we had those like focus subjects and um, yeah, I needed, I had to do my A-level in sports and uh, I had to pick a different sports and it happened to be ski jumping, which is a little weird, but my dad used to do it and my mom used to be a cross-country skier and I just, I don't know, I just thought, um, let's take on this little experiment. Um, I started way too late like I was way too old um to start this um it it also takes a lot of patience and I'm not the most patient person (laughs) on earth (laughs) it's actually the other way around and um yeah did my A-level stopped ski ski jumping too and yeah a few years later I went on a backcountry trip to Japan and that was like the first time I had like fat skis under my feet and uh, yeah kind of picked up free ride skiing and so that Japan trip was kind of a turning point and yeah a few years later like after stopping with ski racing I found myself skiing the back back country and that's what my heart beats for and uh, that's what I do so that's all you've been doing since is just backcountry adventures right 
pretty much. And I, I don't yeah. I don't ever want to change that. <laughs> when do you when do you think you realized you had was there a moment when you realized you had a, a gift for skiing? Or was it just like this love and enjoyment from the start? Um that's a tough question. I think you have to have a little bit of talent too. Um, but I kind of, I grew into it and like, I just, that's what it did. And, um, but like when I explained the reason why I stopped, it's like, I've never, I've never really been into competing, um, um, like way too ambitious, um, putting way too much pressure on myself and I'm having a hard time, like kind of keeping my mind clear, like just kind of nervous when you like throw up at the, at the start gate. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I didn't, I didn't quite enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, that's the main reason why, why I stopped. So do you think you prefer competing against yourself? Cause you're, you're, you're driving to get better all the time, right? right. So you prefer competing against yourself than competing against other people Yeah, 100%. where there's more of this kind of outward pressure. You prefer an inward pressure where you're, you're the one driving yourself to improve. Right. Because, um, yeah, I just, I just feel way better when, I'm the driver of this motivation and like the urge to get better. Like every time I'm out there, um, competing against other people. I'm like, I'm just not that good at losing. I'm like, you <laughs> <laughs> <deal> with it. <laughs> it just stresses you out. It really stresses me out. Yeah. When you moved away from competing and you, and you were focusing more on more on yourself, I suppose. What did you have a specific goal there, or were you just sort of following what felt right? Yeah, not really. I didn't. I didn't have a goal. I just wanted. I just wanted to ski, and I was like super happy that that um, that passion kind of came back because after racing, I was a little bit like I found myself in a little bit of a hole, and like I didn't do. I, I still skied, but I didn't do too much skiing that, back then, um, and I was like super stoked to kind of re-adventure the whole skiing thing or like figuring it out again and um yeah but then it got it got bigger and bigger and more and more important and uh, I kind of lose grip on that like it just I don't know sometimes I think it's like a little bit too important to me because this is like everything I do and um yeah it's just I am I'm pretty much lost without skiing I do not, I do not know what to do without it. Would you say all of your self-worth is, is based around skiing? That's, that's where you place your own value. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's not that many other things I care about. I mean, caring about sounds really like drastic, but I mean, <laughs> obviously I care about my family and my friends and my surrounding a lot, but yeah, it's all based on skiing. Yeah. Okay. So when, at the start of last year, you had a, a really serious injury. When all of your value, as you've said, is placed in that one activity, how was that when that was suddenly taken away? Pretty. <laughs> 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 yeah. As I said earlier, like um, it is like it means the world to me, and um, I was pretty much lost. Um, like especially, it was probably the, the hardest part was not the injury itself like the physical part of it, but also it was like super draining for my head and like all the um, mental issues that it brings with it. 
can you take us through what happened on that day? Okay. Um, it actually happened yesterday, a year ago, uh, April 6th. I would probably always remember that date. Um, mm. The day before April 6th, um, I just came back from a skiing trip in Utah, um, USA, and Oh man, we had a blast. Like we did, we had like three weeks of like great ski touring, adventuring around, uh, skied like the fluffiest powder I've ever skied. And, um, yeah, I came back, I had a friend over who came to visit and like, I don't know, I probably should have stayed at home because I was jet lagged and tired, but like, I really, really wanted to ski and he wasn't that keen. So I talked him into that and yeah, in the end, we went skiing, went up on a mountain, everything was good. We um, we didn't want to push it too hard or anything. Like we just wanted to go for like a couple of easy runs, kind of enjoying the day and like hanging out like in the mountains, basically. Realized pretty quickly that the snow conditions weren't that great. So we went to a run that I know really well. Um, I've skied that so often and I, I really like that run and I kind of know it inside out. And it's pretty easily accessible. So it's just like you get off the lift. It's like a little bit of traversing, a little bit of sidestepping, a short boot pack, and then you're there. Yeah, I sent my friend Roman first. And uh, just by watching him skiing down, um, I figured it can't really get much worse than what he just skied. <laughs> um, it was like the worst breakable crust ever. It was really bad. So I decided to go for a little bit of a different aspect, um, which had a little more south to it. So I thought, you know, the snow might have softened up a little bit and like, yeah, it's just a little easier and more enjoyable to ski. It turned out that it was not. <laughs> uh, made a first turn and it was just in between like the ice crust on top of the old snow was just in between, you know, kind of breaking through or staying on top. And I had like two options, like that was like super quick decisions. So I had two options. One was, okay, I like kind of traverse over, do a kick turn and kind of ski down in survival mode, or I just pointed and go straight. It got a little flatter further down and I figured it would like, I was going to be okay. Right. I decided to go for option B, pointed it, got, went straight got pretty fast and like I don't know like probably like 50 meters after the starting point I just broke through which came unexpected my tips got caught under this ice layer started tumbling tumbled down that face and the worst thing was like my bindings didn't come off so I did like front flips with my 180 centimeter skis still on and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my ligaments and bones weren't too happy about that. And uh, yeah, since my friend was down there, um, I just kind of, you know, tried to keep calm. Picked up my phone, called the helicopter, told them where I am. I was pretty clear. I like tried to focus on breathing and like handling the situation in the best way possible. I was in pain. It was quite a lot of pain, actually. And the worst thing was that I didn't have any communication with my friend, and he was obviously worried. So he started, like, boot packing up, but it was, like, sugar snow buried in crust. So it was impossible for him to climb up to me, which was, I think, a worse situation for him than for me because 
I knew where I was, you know, I had called the rescue already and uh, he didn't really know anything. Um, a little later, the helicopter came. Um, he couldn't land where I was because it was too steep. So they had to fly back like to the flat part, kind of park and like get prepared for the rescue. And um, yeah, they flew back up, lowered down the doctor in the mountain rescue and um, gave me some drugs. So I felt a little better. They finally picked me up and wanted to fly me to the hospital. And So were you, were you on a stretcher? when you were getting winched up? No, they didn't use a stretcher, unfortunately. I don't know why, actually, but like they just put me in a harness. So my feet with a super heavy race boot were like dangling, (laughs) (laughs) which was really painful, but I... So so what was the actual injury then? So I broke tip fib. I've torn my meniscus, torn some other ligaments. Basically, the, the ACL was the only thing that was intact. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it didn't feel too good, but I actually, I do not remember anything. So my friend came back up and like was standing next to me while they prepared everything for the rescue. So he was there, but I do not even remember him being there and like trying to, you know, keep my mood up. Um, But what he told me afterwards was he could never imagine that a human being could scream that loud and that much in a high pitch and i do not remember it because like you know when i when i was there like alone up there and the rescue was there like i was i was a hundred percent like i was super calm and like really had control over myself and my body and then (laughs) i just i just lost it yeah that's what i said wow (laughs) i think sometimes i think that's often the case isn't it when you when the injury first happens you, you don't it doesn't quite hit you what's happened. So you can kind of just keep functioning for a while. And right. then at some point it it's like suddenly you realize. Yeah, for sure. Which is good. Otherwise, like the, like the whole rescue chain probably wouldn't have worked. Like if I wasn't able to tell them exactly my location or where I was, like it would have taken them way longer. Like, sure. you know, it's, it's not an obvious spot. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what was the rehab process then? So I had surgery the same day, basically like an hour after I got to the hospital or to the clinic. Um, And then I had to stay in hospital for six or seven days, something like that. Then my mom like took the train down to Innsbruck, drove my car and myself back home because I, I mean, I was pretty much useless, like on, on crutches and I couldn't really walk because like the swelling was so bad. So I couldn't, I couldn't really stand up right. I couldn't just move for more than a minute, basically. Um, that was like the first two weeks. Um, so it's pretty much useless. Like I couldn't make myself food properly. And like, I just, yeah, I was just super happy to be home and have the support of my parents. Um, so you came, so you came home, you had the surgery, you came home, basically couldn't move for, for a while. And then at some point you started a treatment program, right? Right. And I was super lucky that I got to do all the rehab um, at like the Olympic Center, like the training facility where I actually went to school and um, they had physiotherapists. Um, we like used to ski together and like he knows me really, really well. Like he knows me from the age of 10 and um, he knows exactly when to kick my ass and like when to give me a hug. Uh 
because I'm like down and like sad because the progress might have not been as fast as I wished for. Um, yeah, that was that was really really important. Like without him, I I do not know where I'd be right now. I don't I don't think I would have been skiing this year. So what were some of the actual exercises that you were doing then to build to rebuild the strength? In the beginning, there's lots of like just mobility training, like to get the flexibility of the joint back. Um, so is that just like super simple stuff, just like rotations of the ankle? Oh, basically just like straighten and flexing it. Like there was not that much we could do. Like we started with the foot and just like had like little, little tiny movements. Like, I mean, the progress was so slow. Um, it, it was crazy. Yeah, and at some point I got this like machine or this thingy that automatically like bends your knee so I could do like most of the work back home like on my own. Um we did lots of like elect electrotherapy just to kind of keep the muscle like where it's at, which is kind of impossible. Like I think like within the first one and a half week like 10 days, I lost like three and a half centimeters of thigh and three centimeters calf. Wow. Like crazy. Yeah. And uh, so what, what is the, the electro, was it electrotherapy you called it? Yeah. Like just to, what, what does that involve? Yeah. I mean, you just have like, like little like stickers where that you put like on your muscle. And then, they, like, and then it just like feeds a pulse and it right. like spasms the muscle. Exactly. Yeah. This is basically everything or, I could do in the beginning so very very little but then you know as the bone healed um I was allowed to put a little more pressure on it and um you know use the sling trainer a lot in the beginning just to get the stability back is that the, the I saw a video of you using this sort of big half moon <laughs> wooden thing with a slack line over the top that's more that's more of a balance board yeah um it's okay. it's, called, it's called a slack nut that thing is amazing. A slack knot. Slack it looks knot. really cool. Yeah, because um, I mean, it's it's like a slack line, um, but like one that you don't need like two fixing points for it. Like you don't need two trees or something. So it's just like this like half moon uh, wooden thingy with the slack line on top, and it's it's crazy good for like all the balancing stuff. But like needs quite a lot of practice. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I imagine. I mean, it took a while until I could step on that thing for sure like for a month after the injury so it took me like three months to get off the crutches which is a really long time <laughs> in Amiwa yeah we did a lit, like just lots of mobility training and like just try to get the flexibility back so then after that were you doing any kind of weightlifting or was it all sort of body weight exercises how how were they building back the strength of the of the leg it was a combination of both, I would say. As I said earlier, like I, I used the, the sling trainer a lot, so to do like functional training and like more of a body weight, um, body weight training. But I also did lots of of squats. Like that's that's just a movement that is like the most essential one for for skiing, especially. And um, like the whole quad was kind of disappeared. Like my leg looked like a freaking toothpick. Um, so I was really, I was working super hard on getting that back, like spent three hours at the gym every, every day. And what sort of weight were you lifting? How heavy? 
Oh my! I mean, we're we're not we're not talking about heavy lifting. I mean, I was I was still trying trying to like get the movement back, right? Like as I said, like the progress was super slow, so I, it took me forever to do like a normal like ninety degree squat without any weight. And then you know, I like I started with twenty kilos. And then I started with 30 kilos and like, it got better and better. And then, um, I started like using the leg, the leg press a lot. Um, yeah. And I think after six or seven months, I did like a hundred kilos leg press. Um, but that's still, I mean, that's still not enough for skiing. Like you're still so, so far away from skiing. Like it kind of felt like there were, there were times where it kind of felt impossible for me to get back on skis this season at all how did you find that mentally did that affect your mental health it was super super hard mentally um i'm probably the most impatient person on earth so that (laughs) process was like really draining like i i struggled a lot like obviously there were there were ups and downs like there were days where i was like heck yeah, let's do it. And like, I'm, I'm super, super keen on next season and I'm gonna like, you know, I'll be able to go full throttle again. Um, and then there were days where I was like, this doesn't even look like a leg and it doesn't function like a leg. And it simply doesn't really feel as if it was part of my body. Um, so that was like mentally it was, that's, that's probably the, the hardest part about the whole thing, like to keep your, head up um keep your mind clear just focus on the on the positive things like focus on the progress like even if it's little steps like it's a step forward and um that's what i like really try to keep telling myself and um yeah sometimes succeeded sometimes not so i'm a i'm a big believer in that it's i like to call them micro progressions right so even in like a normal training session where you're not rehabbing a horrendous injury, sometimes I'll get really frustrated with myself in whatever I'm doing because I'm because I'm not achieving the thing that I'm working towards as quickly as I want to. And I always have to remind myself when I come out on, and I'll go through in my head, okay, what were the micro progressions? And I'll think, ah, well, actually, I did get a little bit closer because I did this thing and I did this thing. And even just the fact that I turned up to training today was arguably that's kind of a micro progression because this one more failure before the success well that's one more failure out of the way which gets right. me one less failure to the success yeah 100 percent. and i think you you have to have this attitude in order to get yourself back out there were there any things specifically that you lent into when you were finding it especially hard you know even something unrelated to to sport like did you listen to music did you were you just talking with people about it? What were the things that you did to help manage it when you were really struggling? Luckily, I have a really, really awesome family and really great friends. So that for sure helped a lot. I love talking about it. It's not always easy, but I know that it helps me. So I'm just I'm just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I actually, I went back in the river quite fast. Like I would, like, I like fly fishing a lot and... Um, I like actually, I grew up with fishing and um, especially last year, since I had so much time and there was not that much else I could do, like, yeah, really started to get hyper-focused 
and like really getting into it. So I'd be walking like to the river on crutches. My dad would carry all my <laughs> and um, yeah, then I would drop the crutches just like on the riverside and my, my dad would give me a hand um, to get into the water. And then as soon as you stand in the water, like with your waders, like the water takes away lots of weight, right? So I was actually able to walk before I was able to walk outside. That was kind of a meditating um, activity because, you know, it was like the first time I got off the couch. Um, I was out there again, um, you know, it just it just feels to get in touch with mother nature and like feel the wind in your face and like yeah it's it's a nice movement like the whole fishing thing is like really damn cool you said that the water was actually by taking the weight off you allowed you to essentially walk before you were supposed you know before you'd be able to walk on land were you were you using any kind of water-based stuff in the rehab specifically or was that just something that you were able to enjoy when you went fishing that was actually something that I hadn't really thought about before because first of all, we didn't have the facilities. Um, second of all, I don't really like water. <laughs> oh, what? That doesn't make any sense. I'm not, I'm not a water person. I'm like scared of water. <laughs> um, but... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a secret here. Okay. Do, do you know what snow is? Dude, it's... It's it's something completely <laughs> different. It's solid, <laughs> and I had skis strapped to my feet. <laughs> no, so actually, there was there was like a benefit that fishing brought with it, or like that fishing came with. Um, I didn't even I didn't even really think about it beforehand. I just, you know, figured it out and liked it and felt that it was good. And also, like the water was pretty cold still since. It was probably like right, okay. June, July. So that felt good too. Um, swelling mm, wasn't too bad. Cold exposure. Right. So do you do anything? Where, where are you at now? I ended up being able to ski a season. <laughs> so Brilliant. that was good, right? Um, like I had my first day of skiing. Hold on. Um, that was December 21st because I attended like an Evi safety course and... Um, a friend of mine who's a ski guide ran it. So I was on skis, but he ensured beforehand that we won't we won't need to ski. So I was like, okay, I'll be fine. No, I just have to stand on skis. And um, yeah, I can do that. So we went up and uh, just before that, there was a period of rain and it got pretty warm up high and like all the snow melted. So we actually had to move to a different area to do all like the snow profiles and like the digging part. Um, yeah, so I had to ski and it felt bad. <laughs> so I had like, I had to ski the first run down like to a chairlift that took us to the spot where we had to do the practice. And um, I went down, didn't hop on the chair with all my friends. Uh, I just got on the chairlift alone and like started crying because... That was not what I had expected. Like there was, I was just hoping for it to feel better, but it didn't feel like skiing. It was so, so freaking far away from anything that I had wished for. And it was painful. So that sucked. Um, I have to say that before that, like that was the first day on skis downhill. 
So before, like in the early season, November, December, I did lots of skinning, like just with a touring setup and like did the uphill and took the gondola down, which is kind of, you know, that's not what you, what you would do, but for me, it was a good training and it was a, it was an option to get back in shape. Um, and it must so, have been nice just to get back on the mountain, right? Oh, 100%. It was just really depressing to see everybody else skiing down. And I was loading with the gondola. <laughs> but it was fun. So, yeah, I went home for Christmas. Um, uh, and, like, when I was back home, I did a lot of ski touring. Just, like, you know, did fast apples for training purposes. And then, like, skied down easily like didn't want to push it at all i just kind of wanted to get the feeling back and it worked and like it felt good i think it was mid of january where i was like actually skiing for the first time and it really felt like skiing or you know i gained my confidence back like the more i skied like the more turns i made like the better it felt and then i think the turning point um was like a month later, like mid or end of February. Yeah, there. I, I think there's nothing that could have made me happier than those couple of good powder turns. And um, yeah, almost without pain. Oh, almost without pain. I mean, there's, you know, I still have all the hardware in there. Like there's six crews. There's like a pretty big plate. My friends call me a roll cop. <laughs> um, and obviously, like, that doesn't belong there. Like, it, it's not part of your body. So it always feels as if there's something in there, but there's not enough space. So there's lots of pressure in the knee itself. And um, it doesn't it doesn't feel great. I'm really, really looking forward to have all this, all this stuff removed. Um, yeah. So what are you doing at the moment to, to kind of supplement? Is it, are you supplementing fitness particularly? Or is it still just a, just a strong focus on the leg itself? Right now, I just do lots of, like, sling training stuff. I do lots of walking. Like, I can't run yet because that's just a movement that, like, still hurts. And, like, it's the... Is that because it, just because it's high impact? Right, right. Um, did a bunch of biking. Um, that's pretty good because it's a round movement. And it's good to, like, keep your fitness up. Um, giving my body and my mind a little bit of time to, like heal and process everything that's happening or that's happened in the last couple of months and it's quite it's quite it's been quite an intense season yeah actually the whole situation with corona like i have to say that it also comes obviously the situation is kind of shitty for everyone involved <laughs> like there's there's not a single person who is not suffering from that but um i think it also comes with a couple of like positive impacts like i at least like find myself only like rushing from a to b and like the pace of life is so high and like i actually find myself to be able to slow down a little bit um i like started reading my book again which i started like a year ago and like didn't really have time or um to put it in a better way like i didn't take the time to do it it actually feels nice to have a little bit of a slower pace and actually like relax and like take time for yourself do stuff that you would usually not spend time on right exactly and i think you have to kind of coming back to what we were talking about earlier you kind of have to look at it that way really don't you when you're when you're landed in a situation like this 
you have to look at it and go, okay, well, what are the micro progressions that I can do during this period of time? What are the things I can be working on that I wouldn't otherwise be doing uh, to get me one step closer to the bigger goal that I'm going to try and achieve once we're back to the new normal? Yeah, exactly. Positivity, right? We can't change the situation itself. Well, the only thing that we can change is our attitude towards it and like how we deal with this, this situation and it, yeah, just shift your, shift your focus a little bit and like try to find something that is valuable for you or like that, that makes you happy. Right. Couldn't agree more. Okay. So personal question for you. Okay. Moving on from all of that. Once we're out, I, this is, this is a big, um, admission from me. Okay. I can't ski or snowboard. Bearing in mind that I work for Osprey, that is very embarrassing. <laughs> so the question is, do I learn to ski or snowboard? <laughs> Ooh, that's an easy one. Why would you want to snowboard? <laughs> okay. No, wait, wait, Tell wait. me why. Tell I'm me not, why. No, wait, I'm taking it back. I actually, I have a lot of friends who snowboard too. Like for me personally, there's not a difference. Like I don't care if I'm like spending a day like in the mountains with a snowboarder or a skier like it doesn't matter like there's no difference um i mean for me since i'm a skier and i do not snowboard like i learned it like back in the days but like i didn't pursue it um to me it just makes more sense since you were like standing on skis like straight you know you're not standing sideways and it's just a like standing sideways to me is just an unnatural movement and uh, it feels weird to me, but also like, no, that's a tough question. I don't know. Like people say that it's like learning how to snowboard is a little easier. Um, yeah. You, I've, like, I've heard that the, that the initial learning curve on snowboarding is, is steeper to start with, but then once you're past that, that it's easier than yeah. the, the skiing is more technical and, and takes a lot more time. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah. The thing that gets me really excited about it is the thought of going off piste you know like going in a backcountry so does that mean a quicker route to get there would be on a snowboard i i don't think i can answer that question really like it also i think it also depends a little bit on your background like do you skate or do you like rollerblade or something like I can, that i can skateboard and surf you skate or surf i, I skate and surf yeah you do like then it's obvious like then you should be snowboarding for sure since like- I, I did, I tried it. I, I only had a couple of hours. This was at the end of a photo shoot that we did a couple of years ago. I had two hours on the slope <laughs> and I didn't feel that any of my surf experience or skate experience translated at all. It just felt completely different. That's kind of hard to believe. It's probably more like this sliding on snow um, feeling that you were okay. lacking. You like, think I would have had that I anyway? Mean, the movement itself, like it's it's pretty similar. Like I, okay. I skate or like longboard too, and um, I think it's 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 really similar. And like when you when you decide to start skiing, like it helps so much if you were like rollerblading or like you know skating before that. Um, I think no matter what, you should you should give it a try. Like give winter a chance it's fun (laughs) no believe me i'm a big fan of winter (laughs) winter is like that's training season for me or like toboggan (laughs) (laughs) i know i've done a i've done a fair bit of uh winter mountaineering 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, so winter, I've always seen winter as like, that's the training season. I find it very hard to train in summer because it's just so hot and sweaty. And but, you know. but imagine how cool would it be if you climbed up like a mixed route, right? And then oh. you ski down the backside and it's like a really, really nice and steep couloir. And like, it just makes way more sense to like, than like go now with crampons and ice axe and like, yeah, and then just plodding back down. Back down. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get me wrong. I completely agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's let's finish up. Um, we want to get your lockdown recommendations. So this is going to be a go-to song, film or TV show, and then something else. So that could be a podcast or a book or an app, whatever you want. What are your recommendations to to help get people? Through? Not Instagram. <laughs> Not Instagram. Okay, Instagram nice. Makes me feel bad. <laughs> well, um, one movie. Um, it's probably Into the Wild. It's a yeah, nice. Call it cheesy, and like Emil Hirsch. It's old. It's a it? classic. I I could always watch it again. I really, I really like it. Um, one song. It's probably Frankie Stu and Harvey Gun. Uh, grateful. I'm going to listen to it right this second. Hold on. Oh, yes. This is so good. This is like... They're British, right? It's like it's like chill hop. It's chill hop. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. I like Red. this a lot. Okay. So we have Frankie Stewie and Harvey Gunn. Uh, the song being Grateful. Film, yeah. Into the Wild. Other. Book. I'm currently reading a really cool book. It's like a psychology book, but it's like written in a really like fun and entertaining way that everybody understands too. <laughs> um, it's called Everything is a Book About Hope um, by Mark Hansen. His first book was, or is called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Yeah, I really like his style of writing. I love the topic. I think it speaks to all of us and um, yeah. And that brings us to the end of our second episode. Massive thanks goes to Annie for coming on and sharing so candidly about her experience with what sounded like a pretty harrowing injury. I've been your host, Marcus Brown. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Osprey Podcast. Mm-hmm.